You're listening to the Reynolds Hotbox. 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 The Reynolds Hotbox. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special edition of the Reynolds Hotbox podcast. Hashtag Nevada Vote. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb, and here with me today are Ariel Smith and Chris Darche. Uh, you know, we're all we've all been working on election reporting this uh, this entire semester, and it's it's finally over. The elections the elections done. So let's let's talk about it. How was your guys' experiences? You know, being out in the field of election reporting. Very cold, very very cold. We had a snowy election day. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I had some trouble uh, with um, with inter- interviewing people, but other than that, you know, it it went all right. Yeah, I also had. I was cold, but it was it was a pretty it was a pretty good and knowledgeable experience. The results, you know, they're they're finally coming in, and Nevada it's looking like it has a split ticket, which means that um, our our state government is split between parties. Like you know, uh, Joe Lombardo won his election, and so our our governor's gonna be a Republican, and then both of our senators are um, Democrats, and that's obviously gonna affect um, the way our state is run. You know, it could. It's it can drastically change the way that laws are passed in Nevada, or it can make sure that laws don't get passed at all because of the split parties. Uh, how how are you guys feeling about this um, this this result with the split party? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be kind of um, kind of strange uh, because you know maybe Democrats want some laws to be passed, but the um, I think the governor has the power to veto, so. Um, again, there might be some Democrats who want to pass laws uh, that might not be able to pass or maybe vetoed by the uh, Republican governor. Right. How about Ariel? How about you? Um, I think that nationally, you know, Catherine Cortez Masto winning is just so much more important on a national level because it means that like Democrats maintain control of the Senate. So I think that... Um, you know, for the entirety of the U.S., that's sort of a more important race. But for Nevada itself, having Lombardo win, it can kind of create issues for, you know, Democrat people living in Nevada or, you know, some of the Republicans I've spoken to, they've just sort of said that he was the lesser of two evils. So it sort of seems that on the on the governor's side, no one's really happy. Right, and I feel like that that lesser of two evil things is kind of a recurring theme in all elections. It just seems to keep popping up. But um, you know, uh, Governor-elect Joe Lombardo, he gave his victory speech yesterday at Rancho High School in Las Vegas. Uh, here's a quick little snippet from that. In my travels across the state, I heard from voters from all walks of life, and you know what they said? They all said the same thing: "Joe, please help turn our state around before it's too late." The urgency in their voice, voices, I will never forget. One of the major running points that Lombardo was, you know, running for was a better education system, and he references that a lot in his um, victory speech. So it seems like he's going to be really, really motivated to, you know, try to fix the education system. And he even mentioned how, like, Sisolak, you know, he 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 called he called Lombardo, you know, offering his his help to complete a smooth transition between governors. And that that whole calling calling the winner thing is like a big tradition in um, in 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 politi- in U.S. politics that we haven't really seen recently, you know. But Lombardo is he's hopeful he's hopeful for his term as governor, and he's ready to start what he calls new beginnings. Ariel, I know you were researching the 
Cortez Masto uh, reaction when she won. How did how did that go? Catherine Cortez Masto did announce her victory this weekend in Las Vegas. I will always fight for Nevada and for all of you, and I cannot thank you enough for all of the time, commitment, effort, everything that you put into this election. Now, we celebrate and let's continue the work. And you know, she really was surrounded by the like union leaders when she gave out that speech. The unions were a really big factor of her senatorial win. Um, you know, the um, Culinary Workers Union had been canvassing with her, you know, right up until the election. And it was just really important for her to have that union backing. And she was going on about, you know, Nevada being a union state, um, sort of our history with mining and everything. And she just managed to, you know, win over those groups, even though it didn't seem like she would in the beginning. Right. And what is... What do you think the re-election of Cortez Masto is actually going to do for Nevada? I think that it will, you know, further protect abortion rights, you know, throughout the U.S. Um, Lack Salt had been a little more extreme on abortion than Lombardo, and I think that that was part of the split ticket, you know, result um, where we saw a lot of, you know, Republicans voting for Masto even after they had voted for Lombardo. You know, Lombardo had talked about abortion and, you know, denied it and said that he would, you know, work to remove that access, but he did end up walking it back really short or right before the election. So. And speaking of Adam Laxalt, Chris, I know you were analyzing his recent concession letter. You know, what is what is he saying about his loss? Um, yeah, so he um, he said that. Uh, Moving forward, we need to better adjust to our uh, new election laws or we need to work to fix them. Um, but I am confident that any challenges of this election would not alter the ultimate outcome. Uh, this, uh, that is why this morning I called Cortez Masto to congratulate her on her win. So um, it seems like uh, the GOP here in Nevada is acknowledging defeat um, from, what, from the research that I found. Uh, in 2020, Laxalt was uh, an election denier, uh, saying that Trump uh, did win. So this is kind of strange, I think, that he's conceding. Um, and Laxalt is also uh, a failed gubernatorial candidate from the 2018 election. Um, but, I mean, it seems like he put up a good fight. And, I mean, that's great that he's conceding um, and not saying that the election was stolen. So. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really interesting that he's actually conceding because, you know, he was endorsed by Trump and a bunch of people in his uh, Twitter replies are, are saying, oh, you didn't lose all that. You know, is this reoccurring thing of like election fraud? Is that going to keep happening with this election or elections in the future? What do you guys think? I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's always going to be people who uh, who aren't content with the results of the election. So there's definitely going to be people who are going to deny the, that the results are correct. Um, yeah, you're you're right. There's a lot of people commenting on his letter saying that he shouldn't concede or that there should be a recount. And I was really surprised because uh, Masto only won by you know a few point like few points of a percentage. So yeah, that was a really really close race. It was like 0.8 percent. Uh, Masto was up by so right. Um, do you sort of think that it's a step back to normalcy, you know, um, you know, a really 
far-right candidate actually conceding that they lost. Yeah, I think I think that it's it's great that I mean that he did this, um, you know, because uh, previous candidates have not um, conceded or you know not called the called the other the other candidate to you know congratulate them. We're going to be taking a short break to have a word from our sponsor, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about inflation versus Roember and if young people went out and vote or not. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb. Here with me today are Ariel Smith and Chris Darche. You're listening to the Reynolds Hotbox Podcast. Welcome. Hello. We are the Reynolds Media Lab. Media Lab. Podcast. Client services. Special projects. Documentaries. We are a production center at, at the, the Reynolds, Reynolds School, School of Journalism. Journalism. The Reynolds Media Lab. Media Lab. Media Lab. Welcome back to the Reynolds Hot Box Podcast, special edition, hashtag Nevada Vote. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb. Here with me today are Ariel Smith and Chris Darche. Uh, two of the biggest um, talking points this election cycle were inflation and Rovember. How, how do you guys think that these, these two things affected um, how the election turned out? I think that Rovember was a really crucial part of the Cortez Masto win because it was one of the main points of her campaign. Black Salt had been kind of, you know, more strict on abortion and more willing to ban it. And I think that Masto knew this and um, she really ran with that sort of thing that she would protect it. And I think that that was a crucial part of her success. Yeah, definitely. I also agree with that. Chris, how about how about the inflation portion? What is how does it how's it looking? Yeah, so from uh, the United States Congress Joint uh, Economic Committee, I found that um, Nevada's monthly household inflation costs are higher overall than uh, than the whole United States. Um, so, yeah, I think inflation really play, played a big role. Um, that could be one of the reasons why Joe Lombardo was elected. Um, I know that the price of gas in Nevada is extremely high. It's like $5 or almost $6 a gallon. Um, so there's that. And then the cost of food, um, that's increasing. So, yeah, I think um, inflation really, you know, played a big part in uh, people electing a Republican governor. Yeah, I also agree that especially in inflation, it definitely brought some voters out because, you know, it is very expensive right now, uh, and it's getting really frustrating to have to deal with, you know, rent and gas and groceries and all of that. So it's going to be interesting to see how it, or if um, these new elected officials change the, uh, change the way it was in the past. So moving on to young people, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, 7% of voters this election cycle were 18 to 24, but it actually wasn't the lowest demographic. The lowest demographic of voters was 25 to 29-year-olds with only 6% of voters. Uh, and, of course, the highest number with 29% of voters was the 65-plus age group. Does this surprise you guys at all? Or No, it's not surprising. Um, I think from what I've learned, uh, a lot of like uh, older people vote in the midterms. Um, but, again, there was just so much at stake. Um, that's why I think a lot of young people turned out to vote. When I was covering the election at the Joe, um, I definitely talked with a lot of students, and there was a lot of students in line waiting to vote. So, right, um, yeah, I w- I also noticed that too because I was actually going to vote in the Joe, but then, uh, you know, it was going around closing time. It was looking like a three-hour wait, so I had to you know turn around, and go somewhere else. 
Uh, Ariel, how about you? How is the, what do you think about the, the young voter turnout this election cycle? I think it was a little bit surprising, you know, just to see so many young people turn out in the midterms. Chris, you kind of mentioned this. Um, so much emphasis is faced on our presidential or is, or is placed on our presidential elections and very little people end up voting in the midterms. So I think just with how contentious this, you know, cycle has been and, you know, the onslaught of political advertisements and everything that really drove people out to the poll. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. It really surprised me that, um, you know, 18 to 24 wasn't the lowest and instead it was uh, 25 to 29 because uh, well, I was uh, reporting at the downtown Reno library. There wasn't a lot of young people there, but there were there were quite a few, but there wasn't as, you know, 18 to 24. It was mostly, you know, I'd say probably uh, late 20s, early 30s, but that's probably because of the location that I went to. Uh, and it was interesting because I interviewed, I interviewed someone uh, at the downtown Reno library and they said that, um, you know, it's important for their age group there. I believe there were 26. Uh, it's important for their age group to come out and vote because they're the ones who like, you know, complain the most about their country. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see that they were uh, the lowest number. And uh, to wrap up our podcast, we're going to be talking about the highs and lows of being a reporter for the 2022 midterms. Chris, why don't we start with you? Yeah, so I mean, it was a really great experience. Um, I did have some uh, problems, um, uh, you know, with interviewing people, but it was great. Um, a lot of people that I talked to were very willing to, you know, give their opinion and you know, um, take time out to complete a small interview. Um, so it was a great experience, and yeah, I'm glad I got to report for the Reynolds Sandbox. Yeah, that was. That, I noticed that too. I, I feel like. There's such this like taboo around talking about voting that I was surprised by how many people were actually willing to you know give me give me their opinion on why it's important to vote. So I'm really grateful for my experience um, with the Nevada Vote Initiative. Ariel, how about you? Um, I was also pretty surprised with you know the kindness of people being willing to talk to me about voting, something that in our country is so private and not really talked about. So it was a good experience. And with that, thank you for supporting the Hashtag Nevada Vote Initiative. This has been Patrick McNabb, Ariel Smith, and Chris Darche with the Reynolds Sandbox. Thanks for listening.